you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen, and I am here today to talk about calorie density. I actually had not heard of that term until I read an article in the Nutrition Action Health Letter. And that is a newsletter that is published by the Center for Science in the Public Interest, CSPI. Very interesting and valuable organization. They provide, um, as it says on their website, practical science-based advice to consumers interested in nutrition, food safety, and health, and leads advocacy for a healthier food environment in communities nationwide. And they do some really, really good work. Uh, They are also a nonprofit, and they do not have ads or anything like that in their newsletter. So enough of my little uh, advertisement for them. Calorie density is one of the main reasons that we overeat. And if you haven't heard of it, you're not alone. I hadn't heard of it either before reading this article. So here are a few of the many calorie density definitions or descriptions that I found when I went looking out on the internet for additional information. The Healthline website described it as, quote, calorie density is a measure of the calorie content of food relative to its weight or volume. It is also called energy density and is usually measured as calories per three and a half ounces or 100 grams of food, unquote. The Nutrition Action Newsletter article on why we overeat, which is what I was just talking about earlier, their, their newsletter, had this quote from Barbara Rawls, who is director of the Laboratory for the Study of Human Ingestive Behavior at Penn State. Who even knew they had departments like that? She said, quote, calorie density is the number of calories in a given portion or a given bite of food, unquote. So Ms. Rawls' studies showed that when people are offered foods that are less calorie dense, they will consume fewer calories overall. Fruits and vegetables are examples of low calorie dense foods. They have more water and fiber, and you can have larger portions, which then will also fill you up more and fill up more of your plate as well. So it looks like you're getting more. The knock-on from that, quoting Ms. Rawls, is that, quote, we eat with our eyes and our brains. If we see a big portion, that sets us up to feel more satisfied. If a plate looks half empty, that sets us up to feel hungry, unquote. Another advantage of basing your diet on low calorie density foods is it tends to limit you to predominantly healthy and nutrient-rich whole foods. As a result, it can quickly clean up your diet 
by eliminating most calorie-dense processed foods that are generally unhealthy and very easy to overeat. Fats, be they healthy or unhealthy, are calorie-dense. And that doesn't mean you have to cut them out of your diet. What you need to do is to eat smaller portions of them at the same time that you eat low-calorie dense foods. So you don't fill up on just fats and or other calorie dense foods. It really kind of makes sense when you start to think about it. The bottom line is that portion size is a key to eating a healthy diet, which we all know. And that won't make you gain weight. You need both of those two things, healthy diet and don't gain weight. In case you haven't figured this out from what I've been saying, it also means that if you eat more low calorie dense foods, you will start to lose weight because you will be eating fewer calories and usually healthier foods. Makes sense. In addition, it also shows that a high carbohydrate diet does not necessarily make us gain weight. Fruits and vegetables that may be higher in carbohydrates can fill you up and satisfy your hunger but they are not necessarily calorie dense or high calorie. Put that all together and you've got a healthy menu that you can lose weight on, if that's your goal, but not feel hungry or deprived. So I found another website called Delighted Cooking and they had a guest column that was all about calorie density. And the writer said that in addition to using calorie density tracking to lose weight, it also is, quote, helpful for people seeking to control diabetes with diet. Many foods with a lower caloric density also contain more of the type of carbohydrates that persons monitoring blood glucose levels need to maintain a healthy level of energy. At the same time, the foods are less likely to contain fats and starches that should be kept to a minimum by anyone in a pre-diabetic or diabetic state, unquote. So this leads to another connection that calorie-dense food has, and that is to ultra-processed food. You can probably make a guess as to what that means, but I'll give you some examples. Things like fish sticks, cookies, cakes, cereals, pizza, hot dogs, chips, ice cream, and instant soups. Those are kind of good examples. Unprocessed foods include, but are not limited to, fresh or frozen meat, seafood, poultry, vegetables, and fruits, beans, eggs, oats, rice, seeds, and nuts. There was also some information in the Nutrition Health Letter about Kevin Hall, who is a researcher at the National Institutes of Health who has done studies on what and how people eat certain foods and meals. In 2019, he studied people who were given unprocessed food for two weeks and then ultra-processed food for two weeks. So Hall described it this way, quote, we basically just put the food in front of them and said, eat as much or as little as you want. What he found was that the people ate an average of 500 more calories a day on the ultra-processed diet than the unprocessed diet, which resulted in a two-pound gain on the ultra-processed diet versus a two-pound loss on the unprocessed diet. 
And what was most surprising to the researchers was that both diets, quote, had equal amounts of carbohydrates, sugar, fat, protein, and fiber, unquote. The difference was that the ultra-processed diet had nearly twice the calorie density of the unprocessed food diet. And it showed that it was not the number of calories, but is instead the calorie density that matters in gaining or losing weight. So I found it very interesting that it looks like calorie density is the answer to a lot of health, diet, and weight loss questions, yet it really hasn't made it out to the masses as a way of looking at how we eat and what we have in our diets. Personally, I'm glad that I found out about it because it really helps to explain why some diets you would think would help people lose weight don't and vice versa. I hope that you have also found this as interesting as I have. There are more studies planned on this once the researchers can get back into their labs and can start getting groups together for them to study. So we're going to have to wait a little while, but there should be more information coming to support or not support the different viewpoints and, and the different results that they have found previously having to do with calorie density. I need now to remind you that I am not a doctor. This is not to be considered as medical advice. And if you are having any kind of medical issues, or if it's an emergency, please go to see your own doctor, if you have one, or the emergency room, whichever is more appropriate. And that, I think, is going to be it for today. I will be back next week, and I will see you all then. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.